Hi, how would you like to advertise on Conversations with Dwyer? You can advertise your band, a new album, your company, a service you provide, or just yourself, and it will be heard around the world, and it will live on that episode or multiple episodes forever. Email me at Conversations with Dwyer, and we could begin discussing how to get your advertisement up on an episode or multiple episodes of Conversations with Dwyer. Again, email me at Conversations with Dwyer at gmail.com. And remember, that ad will be heard around the world. Now, how about we enjoy this latest episode of Conversations with Dwyer? Welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Tamarindo. It is from the album La Atomica, which I'm sure I didn't pronounce fully correctly. I didn't or I put in the accent. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It is by the band Pink Louds, P-I-N-C, Louds, L-U-D-S. And my guest today is the fantastic Cloudy Love, from the singer and songwriter of that band. And this is just a fantastic... Uh, episode. They have a a new record coming out in the summer. There's no official release date for it, but I'm going to put the link to the band camp and uh, videos and all that in the show notes. So please check out the show notes. Always check out the show notes in my show because there's always links to ways to support and you must and should support bands by buying music, not streaming. Uh, I bought this their past albums and I will be buying this album when it comes out. Anyway, all in the show notes and social media and all that. So please support uh, Pink Clouds. And this is a great conversation. I knew just from watching Cloudy in interviews and videos and whatnot, I was like, this is good. I have. I was just like, be ready to go anywhere. Because I just, uh, because there is a, I just she's uh, magical and wonderful. And it did. And it's so much fun. I laughed so hard. Probably the hardest I've ever laughed. And this is easily pro- uh, one of my favorite conversations of my 200 and almost 50. Uh, so it, it's really fantastic. And uh, if speaking of show notes, and in my show notes, you can um, find all things Matt Dwyer. Uh, there's going to be merch coming. There's my Patreon. And in the Patreon, speaking of which, you could watch Cloudy and I have this conversation with bonus material and laugh and look at our faces as we laugh. Uh, and you could also listen to bonus, like I interviewed, uh, Kid Congo, the legendary Kid Congo about a month ago. There is, uh, two, that's a two hour conversation. The second hour only lives on Patreon, which is often there's videos, blogs. I also do my own, a separate podcast where we talk about music or I talk about music with comedians. Uh, there's one of them is going to be up for free with Johnny Pemberton, who's done a bunch of TV shows and movies, and he's a great comedian. And that will be free to get a taste of what goes on in that podcast solely on Patreon. Or And you can follow my Instagram, Conversations with Dwyer. That is a great way to know. If you were f- new to the podcast, you could go and look at that and see some of my past guests. Leah Wellbaum from Slothrust, Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips, Wayne Kramer from the MC5, Harmar Superstar. The list goes on and on. It's a my catalog is great, and you should. I invite you to explore it. I don't like saying should. Should's kind of an ugly word. 
No one should do anything, but uh, I would invite you to. Anyway, that should be... Oh, Patreon subscribers also get a pin. Just wanted to throw that out there. Pin. A little pin of the logo that was created by Charlene Yee, who was a great artist, comedian, musician, also a past guest. Um, so that's so. Please enjoy this conversation. Go to the show notes. Buy buy the music of the Pink Clouds. And thank you very much for listening. I don't think I've ever been this giddy going into a into an interview. <laughs> I try to be very serious and get to the get to your life. Let's do it. Let's do it. Politics. 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 <laughs> Uh, do are there politics within your band at all, like musically, or or do you avoid that? Uh like in terms of the lyrics, or yeah, in general, I guess. In I mean, there's definitely somewhat of a social politics to what we do, but it's very much in the line of really just you know be yourself, you know, look for happiness, and it's it's not we we don't like you know I don't really get into politics very much, but. <laughs> Just being social, you know, just, just socially, I guess what we do in, a, in its own way is political. Just going out there and uh, doing what we do the way that we do it in subway stations and parks and just like really being in people's faces. I've heard it in a way it's a political thing. I mean, I don't see it that way, but yeah, sure. I mean, sure. <laughs> I'll take <laughs> When did you start playing in subways? What And what what drove you or inspired you to do so? Um, well, I always wanted to do it, believe it or not. It's, uh, it was like, it, I say it in our biography, it's a lifelong dream, but it really is. Like I grew up in Puerto Rico and, um, I always had this obsession with New York city and I've always felt that nothing is more New York city than the subway stations. And, and when I got here, I, I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed by especially Manhattan just outside just in general like the vibe you know it just wasn't as gritty and as crazy as I was expecting and but in the subway stations that that is still very very <laughs> very very New York and um so so yeah so I always wanted to play there I have a cousin who used to be a busker so like to me that seemed like the greatest job on earth you know just to go around the world playing music and for for anybody so so yeah so I started playing in the subway five years ago and uh we've also played in parks and all kinds of places but but yeah that's when we started doing it and it's just it's great for many reasons but especially I like the fact that I have to win over the audience you know I like sometimes busking in places I've never been because that way I know that people don't know me yet and I have to really work hard to like make it happen and, and if I do it's a lot more rewarding than uh, playing at a venue where everybody there you know came to see you and they they're gonna clap if you you know if you burp so <laughs> yeah I, I lived in New York for a while and I I, I felt the same I, f I feel like I fell in love with a New York that was in film and I was there and I the first time I went it was still Times Square was still the seedy awful wonderful place that it used to be <laughs> You know, the, the, and I, there's poetry within that, in my humble opinion. And I, Absolutely. and when I moved to New York, that, that world was gone and, uh, there's a lot of rich folk. <laughs> a lot of salad shops and people in exercise clothes and then 
walking their tiny dogs. I, I mean, I, I have nothing against dogs, but, but sometimes dog people just get a, get, go a little bit too crazy for me. You know, dog birthday parties, that, that's, that's where I draw the line. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know I just lost half of the audience right now. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, but I feel like what you are doing is very New York and like very old school sort of that that uh, new wave 80s art scene in a lot of ways. Are you influenced by that at all? Uh, in part, I would say. I mean, yeah, sure. Especially, I'd say more the 70s. I'm the, I'd say in essence, not necessarily musically, but there's definitely like this punk East Village vibe that we we just gravitate naturally towards. It's not that we're trying to emulate it or, or anything, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, I do listen to a lot of, uh, you know, Patti Smith and television and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a New York that I really think that can still happen. And I recently started coming more to the East village and I feel that it's there. The vibe is there. We just need to like wake it up a little bit more and, and create events in, in, in places that aren't, you know, that aren't like big venues and just like do more, more weird parties in, uh, in, in weird places. And, and I think that there's an art scene just waiting to wake up. And I think it's going to happen, especially with COVID. I, I think, you know, prices of rent went down. And, um, and I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to happen. I think there's a rent. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> to help out with that. Yeah, it. I mean, every city goes through its cycles, and because uh, I know for a while, a lot of artists and musicians were fleeing New York City, and that seemed heartbreaking to me because I was like, oh, it's maybe it's not going to be that place anymore that people want to live to create, but perhaps you're assisting in bringing that back. Yeah, you know, and if we can bring rent down, whatever that means, you know, some petty crime, you know, here, you loving apostles from, from, you know, from here and just small things. I don't want to hurt anybody. Just, you know, small things to bring down the rent. Just, um, just to, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, gang, put, just put some gang signs up or make up a new gang that, that and, you know. Yeah, maybe like we can put some paint on the, on the feet of squirrels and that way... <laughs> when they walk around places and on buildings, then we'll <laughs> we can have them do the graffiti for us. And it's dirty. Uh, more, you know, more food for 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 wild animals. Also, get a little bit of uh, excrement in there, and then you know, each people out. <laughs> These ideas are just coming to me now. This is all your fault. <laughs> I had not acted upon this just yet, but, but, you know, yeah, I think we got, <laughs> I think we got to do something to, to keep New York alive. Cause I, I really, I really love New York too much to let it die. So, so yeah, well, whatever means necessary. Um, did per, playing in the subway, cause when you have to fight sort of like that for attention and there is a lot of competition in the subways for, I mean, there's a lot of great talent playing in the subways. Did you, how was it when you first started doing it? Did you have to learn a few sort of approaches and tricks? Yeah, you know, different karate uh, techniques. Uh, I mean, I already had that from before, luckily. I've been. <laughs> Nothing a little judo chop won't get it won't, won't do to get another busker out of the way. Uh, no, man, you gotta 
really early. You got that. That's my technique. I would sometimes arrive at Union Square, for example, at seven in the morning, which from where I lived meant waking up at five thirty to like do you know makeup shave, uh, all these things, get, get my amplifiers and my, my stuff in order, go over there. And, um, and yeah, I get there at 7.30 just so that I could start busking at around 10, 10.30, because that's when it gets good. Before that, people are like in their on the way to work and they're kind of like tunnel vision and uh so so yeah it, it means getting up really early to get the spot or really like studying which stations are good and which moments uh how early you should get there to get the spot it's a it's a whole thing and it only comes from experience like somebody can tell you what to do and it's never gonna work you gotta do it at least three four times a week until you like you get into the the groove of it so yeah, it's a first come first serve. That's the rule uh, for buskers and subway stations. So you got to be first. There's no territorialism and sort of, hey, get the hell out of here. Eh, sometimes. Drummers, <laughs> they're they're the uh, yeah, they're the only ones that I've had trouble with. Um, there's some that they're like, you know, they'll just set up right in front of you while you're playing, and they'll start playing. And when you when you tell them, hey man, what's up? They'll be like, man, I've been playing here since the '90s. I was in a Mariah Carey video. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up and and that's it. And then, you know, they'll they'll get up and kind of like show you their their muscle, their muscular posture and uh and that's it. I can't really compete with bucket drummers uh, either, you know, my not not my karate tag techniques or my <laughs> my volume. It's just impossible. So, I've had I've had problems with them, but apart from that, it's been pretty people are pretty respectful, pretty human. I can't complain there. Yeah. And Del- Delancey became kind of your your spot? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Because it's really big and there's got benches, so there's a lot of people um, who just hang out there all day. Um, I guess a lot of people who, who don't have much to do, uh, they'll bring their beers and, uh, and their friends, and sometimes they spend the whole day at Delancey, and, uh, especially if it's cold outside. Uh, and that was, I got to say, I met a lot of beautiful people playing at Delancey Street Station, people I had long conversations with. They know, you know my mom's name, and they'll ask, oh, how's Marisol? And, you know, it's, it's really... I, I met a lot of great people at Delancey Street Station just because they hang out there and they really appreciated the music. They would ask for specific songs. Uh, they, you know, they would applaud because sometimes you just need that one person to start, you know, clapping so that everybody else will, you know, get the hang of it. And uh, yeah, no, that's a very special station for sure. Um, it's been a while since I've played. Well, I mean, with COVID, I haven't really busked at a subway station since 2000. Yeah, since, since early last year. But, but yeah, that's a great station. Totally recommended. And great musicians there, too. Had you been performing around, like, on stage before that? Or was that sort of your first... Before that? Or just before uh, busking? Oh, I mean, I had a different project before. And, uh, yeah, and I, I performed on some stages. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like like the, the feel of the floor of a stage caught me off guard, and I like almost fell over on my face. Now I mean, I, I knew what, I knew what it felt like, but but really with Pink Clouds, things definitely started rolling a lot faster and more beautifully, and uh, and we did get to play on on nicer stages without holes in them and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, 
no, but Delancey was kind of like where, you know, where we started busking a lot. And, um, and then we got invited to like house parties, eventually like the shows and residencies. And, uh, yeah. And we ended up playing at nice, nicer venues. Like, I don't know, Buzz on Rouge and Joe's Pub and Baby's All Right and stuff like that. So it's been nice. It's been the subway stations have given us a lot of, uh, a lot of love, a lot of opportunities, a lot of puppeteers I've worked with uh, have come, you know, I've met them at subway stations and musicians we've worked with too. So yeah, it's just, it's a magical place for many reasons. I was curious about the, the not just the puppets, but the whole overall, because you have the, you present an immersion theatrical experience. And I was wondering, is that just something that's slowly cultivated from playing busking or, or do you go? Cause I know you, when you played Joe's, I don't know if it was the first time or how many times you've played Joe, but you sort of had a whole approach to that evening of how that was your mansion. I believe that you inherited or. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We played Joe's. We did four different shows at Joe's pub. One was the mansion warming party where uh, I had, <laughs> yeah, the, the theme there was that, that uh, an old lady, uh, practically like died on the subway station and she left her, her mansion. So because Joe's pub, I, if you, if listener, if you don't know Joe's pub, it's kind of like this fancyish place. It got like a big chandelier and it's kind of intimidating for, for me at least. And so we just decided to like roll with it. So let's turn this place into a mansion. And we had our own like, uh, you know, butlers and waiters going around giving people fake champagne, which was seven up. And then the people at Joe's pub told us that we couldn't do that. <laughs> champagne because you know it was dipping into their uh it was cutting from their from their uh profits but uh, but oh so so the theatrical side of everything i've been doing theater since i was like 13 i i've been doing street theater since i was 13 i was in this group in puerto rico that was like a social political theater group and we did very simple plays in terms of production so that we could bring them anywhere. So very little props, very little, uh, you know, wardrobe. And we would just go to any street corner and do it. And and that really, like, got, a, got me into the mentality of it's better to do things on the street because you're really performing for anyone and and there you can really try stuff out and you can really see what things work and what things don't work. And it's just... A lot more more gratifying, you know, if you if you get to, to if you convince someone to stick around and watch the whole play or see the whole show. Um, if you do it on the street, it's always a lot better. And I and I've always hated like preaching to the choir, uh, and that can be in a social and political sense, but also in terms of this music. Like like yeah, I like playing for people who like my music, but it's so much better to convince someone that someone's but to have someone like discover you. And and every time that we play on the street, it's like we feel like we're making someone. Uh, hopefully discover us so so yeah so the theater thing comes from that and um and and i've always been into you know yeah into making the show more than just about the music like really giving it a a visual thing Uh, because why not why why not make the spectacle a lot more spectacular you know and uh, getting people involved and uh yeah we do like immersive theater we got we want to get the audience we want to make them part of the show were the were the puppets something you brought in later, or was that like folk you met in the subway, and or was was that just like everything in an organic sort of? That was very early in the like I I started project uh, in around October, and by December had this wonderful puppeteer called uh, Jamie McGann and he was obsessed with uh, subway garbage cans he wanted to do a musical about <clears throat> about garbage and uh, and I was like yeah absolutely let's do it so I wrote 
magical garbage about the wonders of all the things you can find in the garbage and uh kind of like about freeganism and he was uh he was a freegan so so yeah so so we we made this musical that that was like that and yeah so very early in the in the in the process of pink clouds we started meeting people who wanted to dress up as rats people who wanted to like make you know cans of sardines and all kinds of weird stuff giant subway puppet that we have uh yeah all that came pretty early in the process um, back to Puerto Rico. What drew you to not just only theater, but uh, I guess I guess you sort of answered the street theater. But were you always just a creative sort of person? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I saw I saw my first uh, mariachi show uh, when I was about five years old. Uh, when I went to a Mexican restaurant and from that moment on I knew that I wanted to be a musician I was like these guys are having a great time they're making people have a great time and they're making beautiful music and I was like yeah nah. so I never doubted for a second that I would do some kind of a art music my dad is a bass player my sister's a jazz singer not they do have other jobs but they but they're definitely like in that world and my mom used to be a dancer so so yeah I was I, I grew up around a lot of a lot of art and I you know why would you want to do anything else it just made no sense to me at all it's so much fun <laughs> I've quit college twice because both times I tried to do something else. I was like, oh, I got to get serious. And I told you for two years, believe it or not. What did you major or study in college? So I, I mean, the first time I went in, I just had like general classes of everything. And that lasted about a semester. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't last. I did about a half a semester and that was it. Nice. <laughs> and I was the same way. I was just like, I was studying theater. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I, I'm like, I'm learning about how to shadow my ears with makeup. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> That's why your ears are so bright. <laughs> I've always liked that about you. I've always been, I've always said, <laughs> Matt has the brightest ears in the business. And I <laughs> I guess people don't know this about you, some of them, but uh, yeah, beautiful ears, beautiful ears. I'm glad you, you dropped out of college. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn it. I never got to that class. I didn't get to that class. That's what my ears are kind of, no. but <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. Uh, <laughs> I think I, you know, I, I went through a breakup and that was enough of an excuse to drop class. I was like, oh, I'm too depressed to go to school today. And <laughs> I couldn't deal with the, with the independence. You know, I went from high school to college and it was just like, it was too much. It was too much freedom. Uh, and I just couldn't take it. I was having too much of a good time. I kept on hanging out in college. I kept on going to the university and, you know, like smoking and drinking with all my friends there, but just without the, <laughs> uh, and then I don't know after like four years of, of just doing whatever I decided oh no now I need, really need to get serious and I'm not making any you know money with music so I'm gonna be a biologist and I, I don't even know what exactly I want I'm like a geneticist I was into, into genetics 
which, you know, I, I still think is a cool subject, but, but I don't know what I was thinking. And I got there, I did two years of biology and, and then I started doing like these crazy parties, these, uh, Wednesdays with a, with a letter, like every, every party was a letter theme. And I was having the time of my life doing these we- really weird shorts and, uh, creating these very immersive experiences with people. We did like this very strange Christmas party where like you would get to the place and you would uh, sit on Santa's lap and you would tell him about how you found out the Santa wasn't real. And we're like... Confess about how you how you stop believing in Santa, and we recorded all these uh, all these confessions, and then we edited them that same night onto this short where you would see all these Santa Clauses killing themselves while you would hear yourself. <laughs> while you would hear yourself confessing about how you stopped believing in Santa, it was beautiful, and um, so so I did that, and I was, and it was just like, no, I, I'm having too much fun to keep on studying genetics. So um, again, <laughs> did you know anyone when you moved to New York, or was this just like uh, fuck it, I'm going to New York type thing? No, I was, yeah, I, I had a little bit of a, of a safety net. I had a friend, a really good friend, who I stayed at his house for a, a few months, and he ended up be, being in the band. He is, uh, I, if you watch any Pink Clouds video, uh, he's the guy who does the MTA worker, and he also is like this fabulous uh, member of the band. He does a lot of dancing on stage and uh, minor percussion and backup vocals, and his name is Pele. And uh, yeah, he's from Puerto Rico, so I stayed at his house for a while. And my uncle lives here. My my dad is actually from New York, so my uncle lives here. And uh, yeah, so I had I had you know some support when I came here. What was the place like you lived in Puerto Rico? Because I was just interested in the what the if there was a culture shock when you hit New York because it fucking scared the shit out of me when I moved to New York. <laughs> I started I couldn't speak for like the first week. I was like talking backward like my words would come out like just jumbled and i was like what is going on with me it's intense man it's intense i mean i was i was ready i I had you know thought about it a lot i had even like studied like i i came and i like already knew what bands to see and i was like in contact with bands that i wanted to play with and i was like yeah i mean i was kind of ready but but no, no nothing i didn't have a, a smartphone so i remember i would like write down addresses and like with maps and stuff on a piece of paper and get to places just looking at a piece of paper and i have to go from the j to the three to you know stuff like that and i got lost so much i got on the wrong bus a million times and ended up like in the projects in the middle of brownsville and i i i, I was trying to get to a show you know in Bushwick and I would end up somewhere else and it was just it was it was yeah it was a bit uh, crazy but I but again it's it's a great experience I got to know a lot of a lot of New York that way eventually I got a smartphone but uh but but yeah no it's there's a culture shock Puerto Rico at the pace of everything is a lot slower but I think that it's actually too slow for me. So I needed to come to New York. Like I knew that I needed to, to be active all the time. Cause I just get, I just get bored otherwise. And I've never been bored in New York. So, so I mean, I love Puerto Rico and, and I, and every time I go there, I have a blast and I, you know, there's a big part of me that I left over there, but, but I did need like a bit of a faster pace. So I was, I think I was ready. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> 
Did it take a <laughs> did it take a little bit to like adjust? Cause, uh, or were you just like, fuck it, I'm here and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take this goddamn town. You don't you don't have time. I mean I I, I had to make money really quickly, so uh, so so yeah, no, I I, I mean I, I had a, like a part time job when I got here. I was working in after school programs, um, but yeah, no, it was just I didn't have time to 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 suffer through it to like not be able to adapt. The, the hardest thing is moving. I think when I had to move out of my friend's apartment, that's that's just a nightmare. Jesus, uh, and and I don't have any kind of like credit or uh, you know or or a, or a good job or anything. So it's just it's really it's really intense. But nah nah, I, I was ready. I was ready. Yeah, because you were <laughs> making your living off of busking for a while, and I was wondering about that because it's like. I, I too, when I lived in New York, I sort of was off the grid. I had, I didn't even have a like a valid ID. <laughs> it was just like I had a passport, but I had no bank account. Like I was just like this random fuck up. <laughs> it's just like, and I was like, if you're busking, like how the fuck do you get an apartment in New York where you're like, I got a lot of cash, but you know that used to work. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I had a what do you call it a a guarantor. My my uncle was my guarantor. I had you know help from different people, but. No, but when I started, I had a, a job uh, through Brooklyn College doing after-school classes. I was like the the music teacher. The the I was the after-school music teacher, which is kind of like a fake job. I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like every time I explained to people, I was like, I, I was like the school of rock, you know, like, like Jack Black in that movie. Uh, I, that was it. Like I had like five students and we made a rock band and I helped them write songs because I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, people don't know this. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a real musician. I'm an imaginary musician. I just, I just know what I want things to sound like, but I don't really know half of the chords I'm playing. So I, I felt good about this the whole time with this job i was like oh my god they're gonna discover me sooner or later <laughs> I on my way to work i was like oh this is the day they're gonna they're gonna realize i have no idea what i'm doing here but i was able to, to you know to do it for two years actually uh yeah and i was like the rock band uh director and uh and mark the bass player of the band um he was the actual music teacher like the school music teacher and one of the greatest success stories of my life is that when I quit my job and I had to, to go busking and I asked him to join the band, he also quit his job. So, uh, so I was able to like get him off his like, you know, super safe regular day job. And we just went and, and, uh, you know, made a band and the, it's <laughs> since, yeah. Was that scary to quit a job and just be like, I'm going to make my money off of playing in a subway. I mean, that seems, uh, I mean, it's awesome. I, I, that you were just like I'm doing this too much uh, about, about these things <laughs> maybe in general but yeah I'm very you know it's not like a zen thing or anything but I, I think I'm very in the moment not as like this carpe diem uh, thing or anything it's just I just I have an inability to look too far into the future which I'm sure has helped me and some things and has been really terrible for others but, but yeah <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm the person that will jump off the, the, the ledge and, and you know realize maybe too late uh, that I shouldn't have done that and uh, you know in this case it really worked I mean so I bust one day and uh, that I made a hundred dollars like before that I was 
was, you know, I was making less. And I was like, okay, so I made a hundred. If I do this five times a week, that's 500 a week. I can probably survive off that in New York. And, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about how hard it is to busk five days a week uh, or, you know, about how you might not always make a hundred dollars. But luckily, yeah, I started making more than that or, I, you know, and I didn't have to busk so many days. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't think about it. <laughs> that's <laughs> My choices. I didn't think about, you know, dropping, uh, you know, uh, leaving college or moving to New York too much. I was just like, okay, I just have to do this because I need to be happy. And that, that that's pretty much the only thing that has kind of been my guiding light through life is just, you know, whatever makes me happy. Like, life is short, all that stuff, you know? So if you find yourself not being happy, do you quickly just be like, I'm throwing myself over here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought about it for a second. Maybe I could say something wiser. But uh, like I said, it's you know, future is not my thing. <laughs> yeah, no. If I, <laughs> yeah, if I'm not happy, yeah. I'll, if if a spot isn't good for busking, I'll just move to another spot. And you know, if uh, if <laughs> if a partner isn't good for happiness, then I'll just move on to the next one. Nah. <laughs> so are you self-taught? Cause you said you like, you don't know what chords you're playing sometimes. Like how did, how, how did that, how did you start playing? So I did, I did violin from when I was seven years old till I was 13. Um, but, but it was the Suzuki method, which, uh, some people might know Suzuki is, it's, it's a good method. It's very, um, different and they don't really like force the, the reading music very much. Like you have the written music, but you kind of learn by ear, or at least that's the way that I was taught. So I kind of like skipped the whole theory thing. And I just like learned to, to hear a song and, and, you know, and imitate it. And later, you know, when I draw violin, cause I wanted to be more rock and roll, you know, like the classical music was, was done for me. Uh, so I, <laughs> I just, you know, figured it out. I just, somebody gave me a guitar and I just figured out chords and always with like wanting to write songs. So like whatever, I only learned as much as I needed to write a song. And uh, that that's kind of like how I did it, which, I, you know, it's not a great example for, for all you kids listening. But that's just how I did it. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I'm not like technically knowledgeable of music, but I've listened to enough and I would say like, I feel like there's a lot going on with your music. It's not just, it sounds complex to me. It sounds like there's jazz involved. Do I sound like an idiot right now? Jazz <laughs> involved. <laughs> there's strings and sounds that come out. That's right. <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> Good job, man. So proud of you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I do listen to stuff that maybe is, you know, makes me sound more sophisticated. I, I have a, yeah, if you like do like bossa nova ish chords, or if you, yeah, do like some jazzy chords, it sounds like you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't just do power chords, but, but I, but I don't, but I don't, especially when I do those jazzy chords. I, yeah, oh, it's a, you know, F major augmented seven. Pff, I don't know. I have no idea. But, but I have a good, I guess I have a good ear for what I want it to sound like. And I know how to get there. Probably takes me a little bit more time than other people, but it also makes it more magical. It's strange because when you don't know what you're doing, everything seems like you just, you know, discovered fire, right? It's like, <laughs> 
God, that combination of chords is just beautiful. Who would have ever thought about that? A million people would have thought about that. But to me, it's just like I just created something completely new because I have no idea um, that that same, you know, structure was used in, you know, this and this song. So, like, to me, it's like, woof. And it gives me that tingly sensation. And I think having that tingly sensation also helps me carry me through, you know, through the, through the songwriting process. It's like I'm constantly going through tingly sensations. So I never get too bored or, you know, too stressed with it. It's just like, how do I get that, that next tingly sensation? And I might be doing stuff that other people have done, but since that's what's carrying me through, it just... I, I, it feels magical, and I think that energy can probably, hopefully, uh, you know, translates itself into the song. I think it does. I, I not just <laughs> right again, Matt. <laughs> I just there is something magical about your music. I mean, it's. I mean, I think when something strikes strikes me and strikes others, where people are like, "I have to share this," that says you're doing something right. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a real genius. Yes, you are. <laughs> We're all proud of you here on the show. I think you gotta you're gonna be the host for like at least the next part of the show for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what what were the bands like? Because you said you had bands picked that you wanted to play with that when you got to New York. What were those bands like? Are there any of them that are still, still around? around? Um, sure. Uh, Phoebe Novak uh, is a singer songwriter. I don't know if, that she's doing anything uh, anymore. I, I basically, you know, I, I found out that Sidewalk Cafe was a was a thing, and that's like this bar. Uh, there used to be this bar in the East Village where a lot of the anti folk scene came out of. So that's like bands like Moldy Peaches, Regina Spector, uh, Frankie Cosmos. So a lot, you know, a couple of people who who made it, you know, out. Uh, they, you know, they they came from there and and it's kind of like a place that it's more about the songwriting and the honesty than it is about the technique so that's good for me uh that, that works for me and uh and i was like yeah that's that's the kind of people that i want to be associated with and i want to like you know play with those people uh there was this guy called uh, albert gould who i really liked um there was yeah phoebe blue and the and the realistics i think uh, yeah, and some of them are still around. Some of them are, you know, I don't know. But the bar is not around anymore. You know, gentrification, rent went up. Sidewalk Cafe does not exist anymore. Uh, now it's some, like, weird brunch place. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah, one, of those, one of those horrible places. You, you can, like, feel it. You can hear it from a block away, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to take it right here. I'm not going to. You know, you, you get all the talk about, about baby showers and, uh, and bachelor parties there. So that, that's your, your thing. Go, go to what used to be Sidewalk Cafe. I won't say the name because I did they close recently? Because I know some famous club like that closed within the last like couple of weeks. I can't remember what it was, and it was an East Village sort of post oh, club. Pyramid Club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a big shame too, but no, that was yeah, that was more like a discotheque kind of thing. Um, as far as I know, I, I actually never went to the Pyramid Club, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they had a lot of live music if if at all. But no, Sidewalk was very close, was on A and Sixth, and yeah, no, that was about a year and a half, two years just before the pandemic. So oh, I thought I saw something recently. Kid Kid Congo posted about something closing. 
Could be a pyramid. Could be a pyramid. Or I, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of places have closed, which, yeah, it, it sucks. But hopefully, you know, like I said, uh, hopefully people will start doing stuff in maybe places that aren't venues. You know, more like uh, I, I have a friend who has this amazing space on Avenue C. And hopefully things like that will start happening. More like... You know, more like the loft vibe of the of the seventies and eighties. I mean, I don't know who has a loft these days, but but you know, just like yeah, but but some people do. Some you know, there are still people with money, and they're not all bad. Um, and <laughs> they're they're not all bad, I swear. So so you know, hopefully, I think people will start doing kind of the you know the kind of things that aren't like you know venues that say like oh you better bring you know 40 when i was starting out in new york city you had to bring 40 people to the the sh- you know smallest shittiest i don't know if i can say shittiest but shittiest venues at, just to be able to play they wouldn't pay you a cent you would pass around the tip bucket but they would tell you i mean we're gonna, only gonna book you if you can bring 40 people it's ridiculous so so hopefully you know places that that are you know more like the glove which was this amazing diy space and they would do all kinds of stuff art shows, experimental performance, punk shows, and it was all, you know, kind of under the table, bartending and stuff like that. And hopefully that vibe will come back. Like I said, we gotta we gotta bring the rent down. Whatever, whatever we got. <laughs> yeah, I was curious about that because I there was a jazz musician, he's a Chicagoan, but he was saying it's like this is like maybe five years ago he was just saying like it's hard for to do gigs in New York anymore because it costs too much to get a room for like a night. Right. And well, t- tell tell him tell him to contact me. I'll I'll give him a phone <laughs> call. Yeah, not really. <laughs> really, we gotta look out for each other. <laughs> hey, anybody listening to this show? I have a cell. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have a cell phone. Actually, <laughs> Does, what, what neighborhood are you in? Well, okay, so I actually just moved to the East Village because rent didn't go down a little bit. And uh, where I was staying in Bushwick, I tried to, to convince them to lower the rent, and I got, and they said no, and I got something for the same price here in the East Village. So, so yeah. So I really, you know, I, I feel that, that, that it can happen. I, I feel there's a great vibe here, and there's a lot of people pushing to make beautiful things happen. Okay, I'll move back. Yeah! I have two kids though That's a tough one uh, Yeah Do you, well, can, We'll move in with you That'll work right <laughs> Yeah you know They can stay in the bathtub And uh, you can stay in the <laughs> If you don't have problems Sitting down The toilets are You know Kind of comfy Or you can just have them Sleep in the park Yeah You know you can... It's Tompkins Park is super safe I, For the life of me I can't think exactly Where Tompkins Square Park is I, Even though I live there uh, it's between 7th and 10th uh, Street and between A and B. Oh, okay. Now I know. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. It's the greatest place on earth, for sure. And, you, I, I, and every Saturday you're doing shows there? Pretty much. We were doing every Saturday last year. This year we're going to diversify, go to other parks. Uh, you know, just to get, like I said, I like, I like having to win a new audience. So, so, you know, it's, it's good to go to Prospect Park and nobody's expecting you there and just like really have to get them listening. And, you know, you got new, whatever, followers and listeners and stuff from that. So, so yeah, we're going to diversify a little bit, but we were there last Saturday. This Saturday, we're not going to be there. But yeah, we're, um, 
it, it, it's a it's a great place, you know. It's and you play there, and it's like we've got all these teens coming to the show that couldn't get into venues before, so it's really like changed our audience. Like all these 15, 16, 17 year olds and kids, like literally like toddlers dancing around uh, next to you know drug dealers. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, it's it's all good. I love I love the, the diversity and like old people and you know and then parents and even the soccer moms come to the show. I love you all. Speaking oh, of I- diversity, huh? this is a good transition. But like when people describe your band, or maybe this is actually from you, they say like the Pixies, Billy Holiday with a Ramba band or whatever the. Is that are those all natural influences, or is that something that slowly like I'm? What were the things that you've been listening to that sort of led you to where you are? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. No, definitely natural. I mean, I. I never like set out to write a song that's gonna be. Oh, this is gonna be a mix of Pixies and Billy Holiday. Now, I mean, it's just it's stuff I listen to and it's stuff that I like, and you know, I think like everybody, you know, we kind of like write the music, you know, that that we like and. Luckily, I guess for me, like the sounds are kind of very diverse and different, so it creates a supposedly unique combination and um yeah and i kind of convince people that it's that it's a <laughs> that it's a whole thing uh no no but but yeah i mean it's all things that i listen i listen to a lot of stuff and like uh you know very old 20s and 30s jazz when jazz was like the pop of its time and uh, there's actually a, to me there's a big similarity between that jazz and and punk it's got like this very up tempo thing and they were like definitely like looking for cat melodies and you know punk is just that with maybe a little bit more grit and distortion and maybe a different instrumentation but a lot of that old you know uh 20s swing stuff uh and 30s is just like very like you know the original my baby just cares for me is just like really fast and just kind of maniacal you know so so a lot of that stuff definitely made its way into my brain and a lot of harmony groups i'm super into harmonies um like groups like the ink spots and the boswell sisters the chords obviously the beach boys and then yeah and then there's all these rock bands like you know violin femmes and the stooges and the smiths and pixies and all that stuff did you get a lot of this music from your your parents or like is that where you started hearing and the boswell sisters that's a pretty no great none of them it's it's kind of this thing like everything in my life has been about about big changes and about like becoming more independent so i had this big thing and like i I was kind of i grew up with a lot of jazz but more like miles davis more like that kind of stuff uh which i liked but it was still a little bit background music to my ears i'm not you know i'm not knocking on, on any of it it's just yeah you know i grew up with it so it was a just there and when I was when I got my first computer and I started like downloading illegal torrents I just went crazy like I I started finding all this old music that I would have never had access to before and I was like why didn't you like I to my dad who was a jazz player I was like why didn't you ever like teach me about all these you know about Gene Austin and Artie Shaw and then and you know the other groups that I said like we didn't even listen to Billy Holiday in my house so it was I guess in a way it was like my way of like liberating myself from, from my childhood was like, you know, really going into these new things for me, but they were obviously super old. So I was being rebellious in a very strange. Yeah. I, I listen to the Boswell. 
sisters. <laughs> no parents allowed. <laughs> yeah, I used to, I got obsessed with that music too. And I was bartending at a very seedy, shitty downtown bar. And I would play that music and people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> they wanted to hear, you know, trashy, loud stuff. And I was like, my shift, this is what you get. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish I could. Somehow I've wound up uh, hurting myself. I'm bleeding. <laughs> God. <laughs> or it's stigmata. Is it, is it my voice? <laughs> That's why I don't know if you saw, I licked my hand and I was, because I was like, what is going on? So I didn't want you to think I was doing something weird. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much that you licked your hand, it's the other one going up and down now. <laughs> I don't know what kind of audience you have for this show. I don't know how. <laughs> but go they... anywhere you want. Okay, good. Oh boy. Was because is Billy who were was like the Boswell sister? Who were these influences on your singing? Because you're uh, you have a very distinct. But I I can hear influences, but you're definitely of your own being. It's. Just... It's just whatever gives me the most feeling. Um, yeah, I'm like lately, for example, uh, we've been doing songs in Spanish. Well, our next album uh, is going to be in 95% in Spanish because one of the songs has a little bit of English in it. Um, and and it changes, you know, when you're when you change language, at least for me, the voice that I gravitate towards is a little bit different. And it has a little bit more of La Lupe, a little bit more of uh, Ismael Rivera uh, and Bola de Nieve. So different influences from the Latin world, uh, from Cuba and Puerto Rico. Um, so it's really like the song is, uh, you know, a little bit of a theatrical experience to me too. So I'll kind of change it depending on what the song needs. I listen to it like always, oh, if I was listening to another band, so what would I want them to sound like? And so, so yeah, there is definitely a Billy Holiday thing, but it's whatever evokes the most emotion or the most, you know, happiness, joy, uh, to me so it's just kind of yeah i'm a bit of a shapeshifter with that but yeah but, but definitely billy holiday is there but sometimes it's just with a more violent femsy attitude you know like the more raw gritty thing and sometimes i'll scream uh like like the pixies like francis black or yeah, yeah but it's not that i that i you know say i'm gonna scream like that person it's just it just comes the song tells me what to do i let the song lead the way um, I was curious if there is, because you're so theatric, if there's an end goal of uh, having a like a because I watched a ton of your videos and I was like, are is there a goal of like having a more theatrical like a show that you do in a theater that you tour as a as a entire sort of presentation? If that makes I, I did not articulate that as well as I wanted to, Cloudy. <laughs> Uh, yeah what is our goal like do, do we want to be famous uh like, like lady gaga yes uh now uh, we want to yeah i mean we yes we would like to do bigger productions for sure uh some of them more theatrically inclined but we're also fine with doing you know shows without the puppets and without the you know our shows are always going to be visual and theatrical just because that's our nature um but yeah we definitely like to start touring more which is something we never got to do much of um because it takes a lot of infrastructure really i mean you gotta have you know people 
getting the venues. Like we did one tour about three weeks. And it was like a billion emails out of, you know, you got maybe 10 people answering and then, you know, you, you kind of break even. So yeah, I mean, we'd like to, to have that, that working for us. Yeah, I'm sure bigger, bigger theaters, but I have to say, I don't think that we will ever be happier than playing at Tompkins Square Park. And, 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 and I say this truly, I mean, there's nothing better than a venue where you are there, uh, you are the same level as the people, so you can see their faces, you can really react to them, and they can react to you, and you can play as long as you want, and you can bring a cooler with beer or whatever, and just hang out. It just doesn't, I, I mean, I know, like, if we ever, like, some, for some, you know, horrible reason made it, uh, we, I, I know I'd be thinking of, like, oh, my God, those were the days. That, that was, that's as good as it gets. And every time I'm there, I really feel it in my bones. Like, it doesn't get better than, than there on a beautiful, you know, spring, summer, sunny day and having beer and talking to people and, and playing songs and just, you know, meeting wonderful humans. It's, it's just the best for sure. So we've got goals, but, but we know it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Cause I wondered if you got famous and you start like making appearances on television shows are you going to still busk because you love it so much or is it just going to be and- i really oh yeah yeah i mean unless it's like a like <laughs> like a security issue where you know people will start you know might somebody might shoot us or something i i think uh in any other yeah i i would totally love to keep doing that for forever because I, I watched some of your videos too and I was I was wondering if like I was like is there an end goal of like a TV show because there was I was like wondering I was like is there are you influenced by Pee Wee's Playhouse at all because there was an L is that a totally ass, a dumb question <laughs> ass dumb question it's not, not an ass dumb question or a dumb ass question it's a, no um I love Pee Wee's Playhouse. I love Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, I didn't think about it when I started the project. And I really watched very... I don't think I ever watched the show. I watched the movie. Later, I started watching the show because people said like, oh, you have to watch this. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's... I, I have an attraction to things that on the surface look like they're made for kids but like you know but if you think about it enough it's kind of weird and uh and more for adults and there's like a sense of humor there that 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 goes (laughs) it gets a little bit darker um so so yeah i mean i guess it's there i guess it's there like so many other things um but uh i'd say a big influence to me like in my aesthetic and that's something i would always i've always wanted to do is like uh you know the movie evil dead Mm -hmm. uh so Evil Dead 2, like to me, is one of the greatest things. It's the perfect mix of like slapstick humor and horror and gore. And yeah, I, I, I like things that kind of grab you unexpectedly and uh, just mix mix genres or, or even mix mediums and, and just, you know, take you to places that you weren't thinking that you would go. So, so yeah, I think Pee-wee's, does, Pee-wee's Playhouse does that and uh, other things as well. Uh, I was a big fan of, a fan of Wonder Showsen, which was this show on MTV2. Uh, in the early 2000s uh yeah that was a pretty crazy i didn't uh, but i had friends who were like you have to see this this is like completely revolutionary 
Yeah, it's very schizophrenic, like the way that it goes from one thing to the next. Uh, they have like one theme per sh- per show, but uh, but it just goes from from this kind of uh, PSA to like uh, interviews with puppets to uh, to these like really demented cartoons about you know menstruation and and then to like it's just like one thing after another, and it just when you think you're like getting used to something, it just you know switches on you and and says like something that's like very political. And, and 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 just like uh, weird, and then it goes back to kids, and yeah. So so I, I yeah I like catching people off guard for sure. Um, when does the new album come out? Because you have an album coming out in May. What do you know what the date is on that? Because uh, when I emailed with Joe, she wasn't sure. Yeah yeah yeah. So things are, you know. It, it's kind of all uh, up in the air. We put out a single recently for Tamarindo, the first single in Spanish, which is kind of Spanglish. And then the next one is coming in May, the next single and video. And then the album's coming out in the summer. I, I cannot really say at this point because it depends on a lot of different things. Uh, you know, just, just things that have to do with, with PR and whatever. Uh, but, and mixing where, you know, we're still finishing like the post-production, the mixing, the mastering, the artwork. So this summer, definitely summer. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I can't really be more. No, that's, are these things that you expected to deal with? Like to be like, Oh, we got to deal with when you started busking in subways, you're like, Oh, I'm going to be dealing with PR. Is there, and is that, sort of take how how do you feel about those things <laughs> it is the bane of my existence uh no i mean we're yeah, we're, we're trying to, to to it's just yeah we, we want to be able to like get a little bit further yeah so, so that we can tour and all those things and that means having a little bit more following uh, outside of new york city you know we play here and we've got a really good crowd but we want to expand on that so so we're kind of like moving different pieces to to hopefully make that happen and when you're trying to make that happen the best uh piece that you have is new music so we have to hold back on the new new, new music until we can uh make that happen so yeah boring next question <laughs> Well, I hope you come to the West Coast because otherwise I have to come to the East Coast to see you and I'm dying, dying to see you. Well, you should definitely come to the East. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll go there. We'll, we'll go there. Can we stay in your, in your bathtub? Yeah. Uh, you could stay, uh, you could stay in my little hovel that I'm recording this in, which is, which you can't see it, but it's moving blankets. It looks like I should be doing a hostage video. <laughs> That's, that might be a step up. <laughs> um, I, I want to thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed this. I honestly had no idea where, because I, I was like, I have no idea where this is going to go. And it was I, 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 blast. Thank you. You officially are the funniest person I've ever had on. That's not, that can't be true. <laughs> it is true. And I've had some, you know, there's out of 200 and something episodes you're one of the you're the funniest well thank you i i tried i tried i, I took my my funny cereal this morning <laughs> got anything out of this i hope it's like the, the painting the squirrel paws so that the city and bring the rent down i just want to you know just remind that little uh token of of uh of good good information for you guys okay, we'll make I did want to ask because you said like you hope you can build your following uh, enough to tour more. Do you feel like it's growing? Because I I feel like 
at least maybe I'm insane, but it, I feel like you're, it's growing. Yeah. 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 It's definitely growing. Every time we play a show, we get more audience and Spotify, believe it or not. I know it's not popular to say nice things about Spotify, but Spotify has like kind of helped us in a way. Like they've put us on lists and they recently put us on an editorial playlist, which is supposedly a big deal. And yeah, so that that's really how we've gotten people listening to us outside of New York city. So yeah, so it's, it's getting, you know, steadily and slowly it's, it's getting bigger. For and sure. I saw Ari Shafir tweeted about your single and he's yeah. got a huge following. Yeah, I'm going to be on his podcast, I think, uh, next week on uh, 420. Oh, I got to get this out before fucking Ari. (laughs) I'm kidding. I've known Ari for a long time, and my wife actually worked for him for a while. Oh, that's so cool. He was super nice. And, you know, he was like the first person to comment on our new video, and he tells his fans, and he reposts our live shows and stuff. So, yeah, he's a sweetheart for sure. Oh, that's great. That's a good, that's some good... uh, um, is there anything you need to plug other than, uh, and I'll put everything in the show notes and I'll put your Instagram and I'll put links to the, your music. Sure. Uh, banking number. <laughs> <laughs> so it's five, one, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we're, so we're pink clouds, P I N C L O U D S. Uh, so pink clouds.com pink clouds on Instagram, pink clouds on Spotify, all that stuff. Yeah. And your YouTube. Yeah, YouTube too. So P I N C L O U D S. Yeah, because there's a lot of your videos are great, and there's a lot of other videos on there as well that are fantastic. That's right. (laughs) Thank you so very much for your time. I I absolutely loved it. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. much for listening to conversations with the wire please become a patreon subscriber if you like also subscribe to the show on your itunes or what have you not and tell your friends about the show that would mean a lot to me as well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or the mattdwire.com or conversations with the wire at the instagram and you could learn more about the show buy merch and all those great things thank you very much for listening